0: How you doing everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Ready to Record from Blue Girl Studios, proudly sponsored by VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and Semcor Productions. My name is Daniel the D3 Cohen, I'm your host, and I'm speaking to you from Blue Girl Productions Worldwide Headquarters and Studios here in my garage. I'm a 20-year-old aspiring musician, engineer, and producer, and like many of you guys, I make music out of my own home studio. You know, some of today's biggest hitmakers work from home studios, so maybe we can help one of you accomplish your big dreams. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our sponsor, VFX Unleashed, powered by Amarillo College and Semcor Productions. VFX Unleashed is a complete accredited online VFX school where you can learn how to have a career in the visual effects industry in classes taught by industry professionals. There are programs in all major aspects of VFX production and software, including Photoshop, After Effects, Maya, Nuke, Cinema 4D, and many more. Online, fully remote classes start every eight weeks, and a full VFX studio within Amarillo College's Innovation Outpost will open next year, which will have a state-of-the-art soundstage and motion capture studio. You can check out all that VFX Unleashed has to offer and enroll today at vfxunleashed.com. Thank you to VFX Unleashed and Semcor for being our very first sponsor. We are proud to have you. Now, let's get into the show. This one is a special one. This one is part two with Joe Begale, aka Otis McDonald. So let's jump in.
1: Life moves really fast, and technology is making it move a lot faster. Mm-hmm. My my wife and I were talking about this, just talking about you know how did our parents raise raise multiple kids, you know, and maintain careers. Cuz we we now have a 2-month-old, you know, and so we're we're figuring out a whole new work family life balance. Um and and our careers are important to ourselves, you know, to our own identities, you know. And uh and it's and it's hard, man. It's really hard, but, you know, my parents did it and my wife's parents did it, and so many parents have done it, you know, like what is the big difference here you know, and we Latch started kids about- <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> we started talking about technology, you know it it's it's so demanding um because it's so integrated into our our everyday lives that it um it it forces the world around us to move faster and we have no choice but to have to continue with it while maintaining, raising these little beings that have no concept of what it is yet they do because it's, they're aware from of it from day one, you know, but they don't, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I didn't grow up with any of this shit. I mean, mm-hmm. the internet was like, it was, it was there, you know, we were messing around with the, 30 free hours of American online or what is (laughs) is that what it's called America online or AOL? Yeah. AOL dude. (laughs) See, I'm like, I don't even know how to say it that, but I remember it being, uh, you know, coming in the mail in the, uh you know with the free dvds or they weren't even dvds you know they were they were cdrs they were (laughs) cd-roms and that was Mm -hmm. my that was my first uh exposure to the internet and that was when i was in high school and i didn't have an email address until i was forced to have one in college and uh, i didn't have a cell phone or anything you know that just that didn't exist
0: And And now you um, can't imagine your life
1: without it, right? I couldn't imagine. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do what I do for a living if it was not for the internet, man. Yeah, you know. And I'm, I'm so gung ho on figuring it all out um, as a musician, you know, and how it all works, so I, I can, I can take care of my family, you know, because now, now that I have kids and I have a wife, I, uh, you know, the music is not even about me anymore. It's like it, it's it has so much more meaning because there's people that are dependent on me succeeding, and right. I wouldn't be able to succeed uh, if it wasn't for uh, the you know the, these tools that we have like the internet and and digital recording and all you know all that other shit. We're just talking about technology, really, right? So,
0: <laughs> hey, man at the at the end of the day, technology is what's allowing us to have this conversation. I know. Look <laughs> at that. Where are you, by the way? Are you in the bay? I'm in the Sunset District. Oh, okay. I'm so a, you're here I'm in a mile city. and a half. I'm a mile and a half from the beach. But I did last year talk to uh, Nappy G who was sitting in his apartment in Hamburg. Oh, that's pretty dope. You know, you can you can <laughs> you can be anywhere in the world and we could have this conversation. Yeah, man. you, can, you know, you could be next door, you could be six thousand miles away. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God.
1: Thank God for the technology. And also, holy shit, it's terrifying. (laughs) I can't even imagine what it'll be like if you're my age and you're having kids, you know? So imagine 19 years from now what technology is going to be like, man.
0: Holy shit. My guess, as a computer science major, albeit not a very good one, but a computer science major, nonetheless, (laughs) uh my guess is there's going to be some plateau somewhere in the next 5 to 10 years because a- a- every every decade i i'm not sure if you notice but every decade technology starts to kind of plateau mm-hmm. and things start looking the same i mean you think about the uh you think about the 2000s you know i, I have a mac pro here from 2009 right mhm and that that design even even though the internal design of that uh of this computer changed over that time period from 2003 with the release of the power mac g5 to 2012 when they made the last of these kind of mac pros they looked the same Mm -hmm. and much of the same software ran on them and yes they had different internals and by 2006 they were running different processors all that crap but the the thing about it is that kind of design language plateaued, and then you look at the you you look at the other computers from it, if, Apple's kind of the easiest to go off of because they're the only ones that make the Mac computers. PCs are vastly different. You can find ones now that look like they were from thirty years ago, mm-hmm. but if we just think about Apple's lineup, you know, up until the release of the current iMac, they looked basically the same minus an optical drive since 2008. You yeah, know, Mac Minis looked the same since 2010 up until 2018 and even with the advent of the 2018 model, they only changed the color, you know, so they yeah, look true. basically the same. Things to my head things moved really really forward, really really fast, and then they plateaued. And then they have an innovation and then it plateaus. So, so my guess is because the innovations have already been there and the framework is already set up, for the next couple of decades, there's only going to be one, two, three, at least in, in our field and, and the technology that we use. You know, My, my guess is there's going to be not too many innovations. Hmm. That, that's that's my theory yeah I, part of me hopes to be proven wrong but that's well, the, that's my I, guess i think the the
1: innovations that yeah you're probably right um but the innovations that that scare me the most is like the communication technology you know mm-hmm. and uh, and computers are obviously a part of that i mean but everything is a computer now right our phones are computers and I mean, I see. I bet you, in ten years, you know, we won't even be using phones. You know, they'll probably just be like an earpiece that you have. You know, and everything is controlled via audio. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I'm, it seems to be going that way. You know, it's like at at one point, things devices were getting smaller, and then they started getting bigger again. Um, but I think we'll go back to smaller devices and. And they'll get so small that you won't even really, they won't even be handheld anymore. They'll probably just be like an earpiece or something like that. But then the thing I, I worry about there is like, you know, we, we utilize these devices to also look things up. and And then there's also misinformation that is spread on these social media applications and stuff. So what will that look like? What will the misinformation being spread look like when we don't, aren't looking at something, you know, and, and it's, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know if it's audio. I don't know if it's like, you know, just hooked up to your brain, (laughs) you know, like what is Facebook going to look like in 10 years? What is Instagram or will those things even exist? You know, it's like, I know in China, it's like, it's all, everything is on one application, right? There, that you don't use Facebook or Instagram, you use WeChat for everything for talking for messaging for buying food you know <laughs> for sharing video clips you know all, all the same reasons that we use multiple applications they do it on one thing and that's very efficient um so what is that going to look like in 10 years from now i i have no idea but uh, i all i know 10 years from now i'm going to have a shit ton of records out there <laughs> <laughs> if I keep up the pace that I'm at right now. No,
0: no kidding. I, I, uh, man, I, I just, I, I hope I can follow in your footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I should, I, I, I hope to be okay. I mean, we got, uh, right now here at the studio, we're, I got an EP with a pop rock band, got my own record, got, uh, Ongoing hip-hop projects. Um I don't know if you remember Genesee Lewis from from the days of the early 2000s or Felonius. Do those oh, names sound familiar? I remember Felonius. Who was Genesee Williams? Genesee
1: Lewis. Uh, Lewis, sorry. I uh, who was Genesee Lewis?
0: He um
1: He was in Felonius?
0: No, he was not in Felonius. Genesee was kind of in the the whole uh not not the crew itself, but was in that circle of rappers and producers and beatboxers and all those guys that kind of oh, cool. associate with it. So he's now platinum selling Grammy nominated producer guy. Um and he just did uh, an EP with Carlos Aguirre, Infinite from um Felonius. Oh yeah. I love Carlos. And loasted all the vocals at my studio. For that, oh, cool. for that record. So, and, and he had me do a feature with my bandmate on saxophone and myself on keys. Um, and I did some strings sample arrangements for him on his record. And then I did a bunch of consolidation. But to get back on topic of, of technology and innovations in the 10 to 20 years, well, I don't think there will be much in the way of innovations Um, Mm technology-wise, at least in our field. And you may agree with me, you may not. But I feel like in our field, much like people did in the days of analog recording, there will be more innovations in use cases than there will be in the actual technology. And people will figure out the extent of it um, because I don't think we're really testing the limits of the technology we have just yet but with whatever innovations we have we will fi- we will find ways to utilize and abuse our technology even more than we do now
1: oh hell yeah i love that um that i mean that is that is where the innovation should be it's in it's in the craft um and i i'm i always hated when i when i was like first kind of cutting my teeth as a producer and and learning from other folks Mm-hmm. I would always hear this, the same shit, man. People would just be like, "Well, everything has been done already, so it doesn't matter if the chords are the same or whatever." <laughs> you know, they <laughs> and I'm just like, "What? <laughs> like, what are you talking about?" You know, and um, I hate that. Yeah, I, I, I hate that idea that everything has been been done. I don't agree with that. I know that there's only twelve notes you know with western music or 24 if we're dealing with eastern music but rhythm and sonics you know that thing we were talking about earlier that shit is like infinite what you can do with sound and space and, and uh and with sampling you know you you do in fact find some some progressions you might not have stumbled upon in your in your years of listening to you know various records i think there's a i think i think the technology is there and and there are probably some advances that will happen in processing speed you know that helps just make it work better Mm -hmm. but uh gosh if we if 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 all the the people that make you know pro tools and ableton you know if all these engineers just decided to stop um letting it evolve i i think we would have plenty of shit to work with <laughs> you know it's it, it's crazy what you can do with a with a fucking iphone compared to what i could do with this eight track reel to machine i'm looking at over here you know? <laughs> right yeah
0: well you know i i i take a similar but slightly different approach to you in that I would venture to say, just because there's so little, at least in the Western scale, I know Victor Wooten can explain the whole. There isn't 12 keys; there's 30,
1: and, oh, and yeah. here's
0: why. Even though it's the Western scale, it's still 30 keys. But yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I would still venture to say everything's been done. But you can. But even if everything's been done, you can still do everything. Everybody. I don't think there's anyone in the world who's done something who couldn't be able to say I could do this differently. I could improve upon this. So, to my mind, sure everything might have been done already, but we could do this different, or we could do the same thing better. Yep. You know. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I, I think that's that's that that's the mindset that I take because you know, sure, half of my songs could be you know one four with a with with a a grace note on the five chord but like i'm not going to do it the same way the next guy did and the next guy after me is not going to do it the same way that i did it you know yeah yeah Um, totally yeah i mean yeah.
1: yeah it's that's that's what's that's what's beautiful about making music that is human and uh and that's what's beautiful about doing certain things like turning off the quantize function <laughs> you know yep. it's like it's those human imperfections that make something that's really uh unique to to um to each artist or producer or musician that puts it down you know what i mean totally and uh yeah yeah i mean a lot of times i'm just playing a you know what people call like a boom bap beat or whatever or sure or a backbeat, you know, depending on what kind of music we're talking about or style of music. But each each song, and the reason that, you know, I like to have a sample or at least some sort of source content to work with um, is because it, it, it informs the way I approach that same groove. Um, because it's not going to be the same uh, on every song. It just can't. It can't feel the same. Um, I mean, sure, I could just try to make it feel the same, but I don't, I don't want it to, and I don't think it naturally will feel the same because it's, it's a different day, it's a different frame of mind. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's human. We're we're having human experiences. <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah, I'm, and I, I think that's kind of something I've I've encountered having to write for my own band, my own band being kind of a jazz funk ensemble thing with a x number piece horn section call me tomorrow it'll be a different number than today um <laughs> but uh you know it, th- there's a level of cohesion that you want between songs because you want to sound kind of, you if you're putting that compilation that body of work together you want it to go together but at the same time you want them to each stand on their own as an individual piece so they don't have to be a part of that compilation to work
1: totally well you know so it's interesting you say that because i used to be very fixated on on and on the album as being the main piece you know the center piece right. or whatever and that, and that's because i grew up listening to albums Me and too. I'm sorry? Me too. <laughs> yeah, you too. And and I had already put out a few albums. Um And even the first 10 songs I made for YouTube, I thought of as like the third Joe Begale album, but I was going to make an instrumental album, you know? And it's like, I thought of it like as all those songs working together. But now my approach is pretty different Um because... I you know I'm utilizing these streaming platforms as the the way to really get my music out there and to create a revenue stream um that that is that can pay my rent you know what I mean and and take care of my family and yeah. and the and the way that I found that I'm the way that I've had personal success using something like Spotify is by releasing singles and so this is this is kind of a, a nice little little co- cheat code if you will for you <laughs> for the listeners out there but when you release an album on Spotify there you are allowed to pitch one song from that album for a, an editorial playlist and playlists is like the new radio you know what I mean? If right. you get if you get right. in a very big playlist, you know, some of those playlists have millions of followers. Especially the Spotify original ones. Especially the Spotify, yeah, the the editorial playlists. Yeah. yeah. Those are the those are the ones that are huge. And if you can get in there, then your numbers start to go up, right? But sure. when you put out an album, you can only pitch one song for a playlist, right? Mm-hmm. And you can hope that maybe one of those editors comes across another song and adds it to a playlist, you know. But that usually doesn't happen. So, I was like, all right, what if I put out a song every single week? Then I can pitch every single song for a playlist, and then I'll put out an album at the end of say a 15 week cycle, say 15 songs on week 15. I'm going to drop the album and I'm going to pitch the very last song for a playlist, you know, Mm -hmm. the last song of the 15 weeks. And uh, as long as you use the same ISRC codes, it'll all just show up as, as the album. And uh, there won't be duplicates of it. You know what I'm saying? And so at the beginning or not the, not the beginning of 2021, but at the, rather the end of 2020, Actually, a year, a year ago now, October of 2020, I looked at a a catalog of music that I had created, which was at that point over a hundred tracks, mm-hmm. um, probably around 120, 130 tracks that I had not released, and uh, and I I looked at it and I was like, well, these, let's go to a, let's say I have 104 tracks, which I did. And I'll say these are the Otis McDonald tracks, or the other tracks can be something else, you know, maybe sync licensing or whatever. Um, If I have 104 tracks and I want to put out a song every week, that's that's two years worth of music right there. (laughs) That uh, and that and then I can put out you know however many albums I want in that year. But back to the the cohesiveness, I find that when I when I approach each cycle. I'm looking at like okay all of these songs are unique when it's time to put the album out how can I figure out a way to make these work together to piece them together and uh and that's just through sequencing right through you know through album sequencing but I'm always surprised at at, at the fact that it it actually works you know because I'm not thinking about it ahead of time like it being an album I'm just finding the 15 or 10 or however many songs I like, (laughs) you know, like i want to put these ones out now, you know? And, uh, and then it's like taking a DJ's approach, like, all right, I have to figure out how to make these songs work together.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, uh, and so that's what I've been doing. And, uh, and so now I've just, I've just hit, you know, one year of doing this. And so that's 52 songs I've put out so far in a year. And, um, and you know, and I'm not stopping. I'm just going to continue to do that because I had two years worth of tracks ready. That means I had two more years to make two more years worth of tracks. <laughs> you right. know, you know what I'm saying. And so I, I'm, I find that I'm, I'm really enjoying the creative process of just figuring out how the business works on mm-hmm. an independent level, and uh, and the numbers. Well, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. I mean, they've gone up. I I already had a bit of a following when I started doing it. Um, but uh, let's see. I was at. I'm looking at my data right now, not to nerd out, but that's what this podcast is for, right? <laughs> exactly. So I was at sixty-five thousand monthly listeners in uh, October of 2020, and now. Let me go back. Oh, it is, I'm just looking at Spotify. I'm at 326,675 monthly listeners. Uh, so in one year from releasing music every week and getting in a lot of playlists and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was around 100, 120,000 monthly streams in this in September, I was at eight hundred thirty four thousand monthly streams, huh. and uh I'm not a rock star man, you know it's like people don't know my name like it's not a household name like you know Rihanna or Bruno Mars or something like that. but you're there's three hundred and twenty six thousand people on Spotify that know me. <laughs> you know it's like right. I'm finding my own audience back back to like how the internet is so useful, you know. Yeah, it's, no uh, kidding. Yeah, pretty incredible. Um so that's that's a little a little bit of uh knowledge for you about how maybe how to think about your, you know, whether you want to put out an album or put out singles or well, whether it needs to be cohesive or not. Now, oh. it's not saying that I don't love albums like I mean, I still like the art of making a cohesive body of work. Um well, but I also I also want to, to make a living.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there there's I mean, when I think about making an album, I don't think about releasing the album. A, sure. At least not at first. I, sure. I think about each of these songs has to stand up on its own. Each of these songs has to be a single. Um and and I really have to put that into perspective. But I would like to just for my own sake, and kind of the, kind of just for the shits and giggles of my circle, which I know love albums, and I'd like to put this thing on a limited run of vinyl, for the sake of hey, I, I did a thing, you know, and and I can you know hold it in my hand. Um, that's that's kind of why I still think of albums, but realistically, totally, you're, you're not going to sell an album, and unless your demo is. I don't know, 45 to 60, you're not going to sell records. You're, you're going to sell singles.: I mean, Yeah. It, definitely to my generation.
1: Although I, you know, vinyl is definitely coming back, and, and honestly, I would I'd bet I'd put money on the fact that I think streaming is helping it. Um, yeah, because people can sell vinyl records right on their Spotify pages, and <laughs> yeah, and I can. and I and I bet that most people are still, the majority of the time listening to streams, but they want that that token. They want that vinyl. Maybe they don't even have a fucking turntable, but they just want it for their collection. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us. We want to hear our our music on on this like ancient platform <laughs> that we grew. I grew up listening to records, you know, and I still listen to records every day in my household. I have a massive collection of records, you know. I. I love it, and I still, think, I, I still think it sounds better on vinyl and all that shit, man, you know?
0: I, I, I agree with you. I mean, hey, man, come, we're, we live in the same town. Come have dinner with me. You'll see, you'll see the vinyl record collection. <laughs> oh, that's my, wonderful. My, my mother, uh, I'm, I mean, I, I grew up listening, you know, streaming didn't come into my head until four-ish years ago, I mm, think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Four or five, maybe a little bit less but to to my head if i was going to listen to music on my phone or tablet or computer or whatever digital device it was you rip a cd or you get the rip of a cd from your friends
1: yeah totally um, yeah that's that was the
0: same thing for me the the primary medium for me was my mother's wall of cds or my mom's wall of vinyl who which that collection started my my mom had me older she was 43 when i was born so mm-hmm. my mom started collecting in high school in the 70s <laughs> that's
1: awesome
0: so she has all of her vinyl not all of it she lo- she lost a lot of it on moves and things like that uh, my grandfather right. was a marine so she doesn't have everything but she she has early vinyl collection from the 70s 80s 90, like Every everything is there, you know. That's awesome. Um, and and what we don't have, we try to fill in. Um, so there's always been a turntable hooked up. There's always been music on vinyl. Um, and I I I as a kid, uh, my mother had I don't I think it was a U two record. I don't know what U two record it is anymore. But she had it on CD and she had it on vinyl, and I didn't know what vinyl was, but I actually remember this moment, funnily enough. I was about two years old. We had just moved into this house that we're in now. We moved in, in 2003. Mm-hmm. And she started, I, I asked to listen to the record, and she started to put the CD in in the, in the disc changer, and I said, no, I want to hear it on the big CD, meaning vinyl. Um, so from a very, very early age, I knew what that sounded like, and I knew that I liked it. Mm -hmm. you know um so just on the topic of vinyl yes (laughs) to my to my head it does sound better and it's oh yeah it's a beautiful medium it's the best
1: it's the best and there's nothing like looking at the artwork on that uh you know that scale and reading 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 the liner notes and i mean it's all having liner notes to begin with having liner notes (laughs) totally man yeah i I I make sure of it that my oldest uh my son Brent who's he's he'll be 3 next month but he's is, he's is very familiar with records and how they work and and he helps me put them on all the time. He knows he knows the the whole um uh what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh he knows how to drop a needle. And well he knows how to drop a needle, yeah, but uh, the ritual. He knows the whole ritual. That's, that's mm. the word I was looking for. um yeah it's yeah it's great man i'm always gonna listen to records and always want to release stuff on records too but i've never made as much money on physical sales as i've as i've made off of streaming and that's that's the truth so
0: (laughs) well streaming's a lot more accessible yep yeah and uh you can't put a record player in your car No, you can't. They tried. They tried back in the day. (laughs) They did, didn't the Ford Edsel? They tried to put a, they tried to put a turntable in the back seat or something. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, excuse me, as I'm yawning. That sounds right to me. You're cool. Yeah, not not really too possible. Um, You you can try, but I I don't think you're going to find shock mounts good enough to to do that.
1: Yeah, probably Um, not.
0: Now, uh, jumping back into the streaming thing, you talked about um, having cohesive ISRC codes and making sure that you have the same codes, you, you have a record. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have your own codes and how, how do you deal with ISRC codes? Um, well, I have a company
1: called Track Tribe, uh, that I, I co-founded with some 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 buddies of mine that I've I've known since uh, well some since high school and then others since cool. college, uh, but yeah we we own our own ISRC codes. I mean you have you you, you can pay for like a a bunch you know, and mm-hmm. then you just you just get a a big big chunk of them and we just assign them ourselves
0: to to each song, cool. as they as they come. I know I know when I started thinking about. Turning this place into an actual company. One of the first things that I did was reach out to the USISRC agency and and, and inquire about uh what plans would work for me as far as buying codes. Because mm-hmm. um, it seems it, it you know it some people it seems like a big deal, but to my head it it seems kind of like a no brainer if you're trying to release music and you're an independent artist. Y- yeah,
1: you. I mean, you should most definitely. Well, I mean. If you if you don't buy them yourselves, like uh then the distributor will make one for you and
0: and, and, and I've I've had that happen.
1: Yeah. I I think we're kind of getting more into that place where it probably doesn't matter as much anymore. I mean, because True. in theory you're still paying for those ISRCs through your distributor, through like yeah. Dist DistroKit or TuneCore, you know, or whatever CD baby. Um but it's nice. It's it's nice to own it yourself because it's like well actually a distro kid probably I have to look and see I think there might have been one song that I released that they assigned ISRCs for and I think it's pretty accessible Um, but I was I'm sorry what I was going to say is I thought that maybe the uh, the benefit to owning your own off the bat is that you can track the usage of it across you know the entire scope of the internet but you should in theory be able to do that if you have access to the code itself and i think DistroKit does give you that so (laughs) anyway i'm just sitting here figuring
0: it out you know that's the beautiful thing about the internet you can you can figure things out yeah as we have a conversation on the internet (laughs) (laughs) on the internet precisely yeah man um now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally jump topics because um, I, I know we, we, we briefly touched on this, uh, that you were just in Muscle Shoals. How were those sessions and, and what were those sessions? I know you were there with Will Blades. I don't really know what was going on. What was, what was, what was the occasion?
1: Well, it was uh, th- this, this local producer, Michael Starita, Um, yeah yeah so starita was producing the session and uh he's been friends with will for a long time street and i met um a few years ago two two years ago now maybe getting on three years ago um and he was directing the uh the undercover presents a tribe called quests midnight marauders
0: record I remember that. That
1: was a cool thing. Um, and Will did a track on there. And when he did the concerts, um, he hired me to play drums on it. And that's how I met Starita. And I had directed Undercover's uh, Sgt. Pepper's tribute. Um, nice. was The 50th anniversary of that. So I was very familiar with the Undercover process, too. Uh, and so, yeah, Starita and I stayed in touch and followed each other on Instagram and shit. And this record that he was producing... Um, the artist he was working with really wanted that kind of gritty, funky soul sound a la Muscle Shoals. And he, uh, the artist lives out in Atlanta, and Starita is from Mississippi. And he was out visiting family um, a few years back. And his wife, who's um, a wonderful photographer and cinematographer, uh, he and his wife were, were, driving, you know, up and down through Alabama taking pictures and stuff and and then they came across a sign that said Muscle Shoals like 20 mi- <laughs> 20 miles. And he was like, "Holy shit, like Muscle Shoals, you know?" And he like, so they go out there and he takes the tour, you know, you can do these tours at at yeah. Old Fame and at Muscle Shoals Sound. And uh, he met all the folks and and inquired about what it would take to make a record and and fame is like still in a fully functional operational recording studio. Yep. Um, and muscle souls is a a place that you can also record it and they have all the gear to do it, but they are a, um, a museum during the daytime. And so the only time you can record is at night and you have to work out the deal with them or whatever. And so, he and this artist you know put together these sessions at both fame and muscle soul sound and i was hired to play bass on the record and will was hired to play keys and then ernest boom carter um who's out in south carolina now um who's uh famous for playing drums for dave sanchez uh, the keyboardist Mm -hmm. um and uh also uh he played on Born to Run <laughs> by Bruce Springsteen. He's the drummer on that song. Uh, so we were the rhythm section and went out there and cut the basics with, uh, with the artist who's playing guitar and then the singer um, doing scratch vocals. And then so yeah, we were there for a week at all the studios, man, hanging and making new friends. And it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun um, to be there and, and actually take our time at each place, you know, and get to know right. each place. It was, it was amazing. The vibe is very deep out there.
0: No kidding.
1: Yeah, man, you should go. You should go visit.
0: I I should. I've been thinking. There and Hitsville are are two places on my list. I'd been to sure. Hitsville before. I wonder if you can record there because they have all the gear they, in their museum ha- set up too. Well, they still the control room still set up as it was when when Barry was still living upstairs. Yeah, Everything, man. everything's still there. That's the, that's the strangest thing. Um, and I know the piano there, they did that whole thing where, uh, Barry and Paul McCartney, uh, mm-hmm. got together and like did the whole restoration on the piano. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was a whole big deal. I, I, I've always wanted to, that, that's kind of the thing I've always wanted to call him up and, if money was no object, I would I would make a record in Hitsville. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: would I would like to do that too. I, and the fact that we were able to do this at Muscle Shoals, yeah, uh, no um, kidding. It uh, it made me think about that. I'm Like, I wonder if you can inquire about recording there too. You know, since these other places are down to do it. So it'd be uh, yeah, it'd be something I yeah. need to look at. <laughs>
0: From the time that I was very little, music streaming has been extremely prevalent. Spotify has been around now for upwards of 15 years or more, and even before it, things like Napster were changing the music game forever. Even the iTunes store, though not technically streaming, had a profound impact on what the industry looks like today. Herein lies the idea of what Joe Bagale has been doing, and just how genius it is. Somehow, Joe has found a way to be a musician just like the rest of us, yet be profitable and monetize his creativity so he can do what he loves as well as feed his family. Personally, I think everyone should take a page out of Joe's book, even if they don't use a moniker as cool as Otis McDonald, it's a pretty damn good way to live. Joe, thank you for being on the show, and thank you for giving us some insight on how to be musicians in the modern age. Also, thank you for some fascinating questions about technology and how it has shaped our lives and how great and terrible it can be for all of you looking for any of joe Gale's music just search him on spotify or anywhere you get his music he's on his mcdonald everywhere Welcome to a special combination edition of Blue Girl Gear Talk and music from Blue Girl. Today, I want to pick up where we left off last time on computer and converter upgrades. Over the last couple of weeks, this is what I've been focused on and it has been kind of the final piece in the upgrade puzzle for me, which I started a couple of months ago with outboard preamps and converter upgrades and things like that. Now, to give everyone a brief refresher on what I was rocking before, I was on a 2009 quad-core Mac Pro with 32 gigs of RAM and a 1.5 terabyte hard drive. That's right, hard drive, not SSD. As far as conversion was concerned, I was using a relatively high-end prosumer interface from the late noughties, early 2010s, the Focusrite Liquid Sapphire 56, which was for years Focusrite's flagship prosumer model. Now, This rig worked great for a number of years, and I think for anybody who is not doing the stuff that I'm doing with podcasts and heavy internet integration, you could still rock this rig and be perfectly fine. However, I did notice as a podcaster and as someone who does a lot of collaboration online and remote that this rig was not super working out for me anymore, as well as the amount of stuff I was doing the processing power that I had from this Mac Pro was not enough. Now, I could have upgraded the Mac Pro. A lot of people do, and a lot of studios, even in far more high-end studios than mine, are still using computers like this. However, for me personally, and the work that I do, it was more viable to upgrade to a new computer and converter than to try and update the rig I already had. So... What am I recording on now, now that all these upgrades are finished? I'm so glad you asked. I have jumped onto the Apple Silicon train and went for the brand new 2021 M1 iMac, and this thing screams. Everything that I have thrown at this thing, from audio to video and much more, have gone off without a hitch. As far as the converter is concerned, it's the same thing, and I went for the Presonus Quantum 4848, which is a extremely good price-to-performance and really good bang-for-the-buck converter. This thing has 32 channels of simultaneous I.O. in the box, on the box, in a 1U rack space, as well as 16 additional channels of inputs and outputs through ADAT which brings it to 48 channels of inputs and outputs and what's cool about this thing is you can record higher than 96k up to 192 kilohertz sample rate. Now I am pegged at 44.1 and have been for a very long time but if any of you guys are ones to record at 96 up you can do it and it sounds incredibly clean. Now As an ultimate test slash trial by fire, I ended up doing an intense week of sessions last week with brand new gear that I had only finished installing on Monday, and my first sessions were Tuesday. So what was I doing? Well, I was doing what I had teased last time on the show, which was sessions with friends of the podcast and past guests Will Magid and Gordon Nappy G. Clay, as well as dear friend and collaborator Tommy MC Sola T. Shepard of Alphabet Rockers, a three-time Grammy-nominated band, as well as Antique Naked Soul and Felonius. These sessions have been super cool. They're a cross between jazz, funk, R&B, and hip-hop, as well as a little bit of neo-soul and Ever so slightly bit of rock, just from our own influences and inspirations. Though the rock is not super present and is very much subtle. But it's there if you really want to listen to it. I want to share a song from these sessions with you. It is a song that internally at one point was known as 155. This was a song I wrote for my band Danger 8. But eventually when I was called upon to produce beats and music for this project, I ended up giving this song to this project with Tommy, Gordon, and Will as a collaboration with my band. So this is very heavily featuring my band Danger 8 as well as Tommy Shepard, MC Sola Gordon Nappy G. Clay, and Will Maggot. The segment of the song that I'm going to be sharing with all of you is the second verse of Nappy G into the solo section. The solo has not been recorded yet, but will be recorded at present, as far as we know, by Will Magid. And we are going to go into the verse of Tommy, MC Solati Shepherd. This is some cool stuff. These guys spat incredibly cool bars and as somebody who was in the room while they were writing them, it was really fun to watch all these guys work together and collaborate, and it was really fun to be a collaborator with all of them. Now, I will have more stories about these sessions, and hopefully we can get an episode with these three guys talking about these sessions in the future, but for now, I will leave you with this piece by Dangerate, myself, the D3, Gordon Nappy, G. Clay, Tommy, M.C. Sola, T. Shepard, and Will Magid. Enjoy. You're not trying to change the world, but the world's trying to change it. You're not trying to change the world, but the world's trying to change you. Way past time, we've been falling behind our potential. True, essential, mental. Dropping that realness you get into. Can't stop the soul, it's elemental. What we've been through just to preview. Coming up next, nice, is is Crazy flex. You gotta respect the correct connects Hold your head high like you know you're blessed They can't catch what they cannot touch If you talk too much, it's a mental crutch Gotta listen more before we speak Cause other ideas can be unique I said life's a song, the melody's long Find the right key, you can do no wrong Your own energy is so unique Be your own freak and sing along Come on
1: Now and later, collect data with collaborative participators Now, is that change? Is that progress? Can the vibe be part of the process? The offering, the action, personify the verb That's what's happening, b The superhero leaving no escape Ruling in radical love with or without capes Hip, take, open up that space Like a natural passport and say, create the world you want to make It's RQ to take skewed views Microdose them up with that new time news You're not trying to change the world But the world's trying to change you. You're not trying to change
0: That's the show, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed talking to all you. Special major big thank you to Mr. Joe Begale, a.k.a. Otis McDonald, for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights and your knowledge on how to be a musician and a music producer in the 21st century and the 2020s. It has been so insightful and so helpful to myself and I think everyone listening to hear your knowledge and wisdom on music being successful in 2022 as a musician like any one of us for all of you listening tune in next time we're gonna have genesee lewis mononymously known as genesee he is a grammy nominated platinum selling producer and a damn fine rapper as well we are going to talk about everything from bay area to new york city and everything in between we're going to talk a lot about hip-hop and a lot about how the scene has evolved in the last 20 30 40 years as well as his work and what he's doing now as a producer and a musician and rapper himself as always there will be more gear to kick out on and more music to share with all of you but for now this has been daniel the d3 cohen signing off from blue Girl productions worldwide headquarters studios right here in san francisco we're ready to record